podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red, your lunchtime catch-up on all things Liverpool FC. We'll start today with the Mo Salah situation, which is really the only talking point at the moment for the club. Obviously, he had an incredible performance at the weekend and the contract situation rumbles on. Lots of contrasting views coming out from different sides, most of them really bad opinions. For example, Adrian Durham on TalkSport said that Liverpool will have a business decision to make if, say for example, a Manchester City were to bid £75 million. And if you don't think Salah would go, he doesn't know what to tell you. Now, first of all, £75 million might buy you the rights to take a picture with Mo Salah. Certainly wouldn't buy you the physical being that is Mo Salah. Secondly, I don't really see Liverpool selling him within the Premier League, even if things did get desperate and they were going to accept a bid on the low side. You know that Paris Saint-Germain, Juventus, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich and all these other clubs would all have interest and Liverpool would rather take their money than the money of Manchester City. Salah is also very loyal to the club. And I don't think he would want to move to Manchester City. I think he's got that competitive spirit within him where they're his rival. In the same way that, you know, if Virgil or Trent or Fabinho or Alisson were to ever leave the club, I don't think any of them would want to move within England. I think they would look to move abroad. I don't think anyone would look at Manchester City as a step up from Liverpool. Yes, you might earn slightly more money, but it's certainly a smaller club. It's got absolutely no real history prior to 2010. Handful of trophies, small fan base, not a global market. You don't have the endorsement opportunities you'd have when playing for Manchester City as you do when playing for Liverpool. Uh, We had Jason Burt in the Telegraph with a piece, which there's a hint of truth too, but he goes a little bit too far with the point he's trying to make, and that is that Salah is at times often underappreciated by Liverpool fans. And I do think there's an element of truth to that. Maybe it's not even that he's underappreciated. Maybe it's that we take him for granted. Maybe it's that for too long, people have looked at that first season when he scored 40-plus goals and said, oh, but he's not scoring as many goals, therefore he's not playing as well, without looking at everything else he offers. In that first season, Salah was purely a goal scorer. His creative numbers weren't great. His tracking back was poor, flat out poor. And he was quite one dimensional in in how he played. But year on year, he's gotten better. He's added things to his game. He's added more defensive work rate, more tracking back. He's added much more creativity. He's improved as a dribbler. He no longer needs to just knock it past people and run. He's got more balance to his game. So Salah has improved year on year, getting to the point where right now you can make a strong case that he is the best player in the world on current form. There are some that don't view it that way. They're wrong. There are some who view it purely on a goals number, and they're wrong. But there is an element where some people some people try and put undue importance on players who aren't as important as are made out to be. Liverpool, over the past few years, have been made up of a number of great players, but 
the key players to it all have been Alison Becker in goal, world class, unmatched. There's maybe one other guy on the planet on his level, and that's Jan Oblak. Trent Alexander Arnold, the primary playmaker of the team, the best right back in the world now, an underrated defender who's got good covering speed to cover his centre back. And obviously, one of the fulcrums of our team going forward. Virgil van Dijk is the pillar that it was all built upon. When he arrived, everything changed. We went from being a good team to a great team. He's the best central defender in the world. Fabinho, one of the best holding midfielders in the world, gave us that solidity in midfield that we had been lacking, allowed us to create a platform to press from and become more pointed with our counter-press, more aggressive in the right areas. Sadio Mane, as an outlet, as a creative hub, as a goal scorer, as a game-changer, capable of those moments of individual brilliance that won us games time and again. And Mo Salah, primarily the main goal scorer in the team, and in recent years more and more of a creative outlet, more and more of an all-round world-class player. Those six are the reason Liverpool won Champions League and Premier League. Those six. The others are all very good. Andy Robertson, Bobby Firmino, Ginny Wijnaldum, whoever was playing right-side centre-back, the captain, etc., etc. They're all good players. They're not nearly as good as the first six. They're not on that level. Those six are world-class, or were world-class through that time. Now, you can make an argument that Sadio has fallen off, but he has had back-to-back good games, and hopefully he works his way out of his rut and gets back to his best. But those six stand above everybody else. And when I see people trying to shoehorn in others and say, oh, this person's more important, or this guy's the most important person in the team, if he's not one of those six, he's not the most important person in the team. You can make a real argument for Allison, for Trent, for Virgil, for Fab, for Manny and for Mo, that any one of them is the most important player in the team. You can't make the argument for anybody else. So when I see people making the argument for others, that's disrespecting that group of six. That's downplaying the importance of that group of six. When I see someone say, oh, we're not the same team without this player or that player, and it's not one of those six, I don't know what they're talking about because those six don't need lesser players to help them reach their level. Those six elevate the others. Those six lead the way. So in that regard, Salah can often be overlooked. Now you can look at the season Liverpool won the title and Jordan Henderson was awarded the player of the year. That was disrespectful to those six, all of whom were better than him across that season. It was disrespectful to Salah, disrespectful to Mane, but the media were the one that led that narrative, not the fans. The fans, not all, obviously, most, not, not even most, some fans bought into that media narrative and bleated it in agreement. But the media began that narrative to push Henderson as the player of the year because he was the captain who was the first title in 30 years etc etc and that's fine but that was disrespectful to the players that outperformed him by a substantial margin across the entire season he had a great four months they were great start of season to end of season especially the two boys up front Salah and Mane 
So the media wants to create a narrative that Mo Salah is not as important as he actually is and then blame the fans for that narrative. It's the same nonsense we see with the media coming out and slapping down fans that buy into the transfer frenzy around trans around deadline day. But that's the same media that created that frenzy. It's a hypocritical movement by Jason Burt. It's a hypocritical piece because he played into that. He's one of those who has downplayed Salah. And now that Salah has reached a level where you either accept that he's the best player in the league right now or you show yourself to be a biased liar. That is what he has forced these people to do. So now as they have to accept this fact that Salah is currently, if not the best, certainly one of one of the best players in the world, now they have to backtrack. And they don't like to admit they were wrong. They don't like to come out and say, oh, well, I have, you know, I had this doubt about him, but he proved me. You'd, you'd take much more, you'd give them much more respect if they would say, well, look, I said this here, and he proved me wrong by doing this, this, and this. You'd have to respect that. By basically ignoring everything that you've said and trying to focus on what anyone else has said, you're just being a hypocrite. Salah is undoubtedly one of the best players in the world. Even when Messi's back at his best and everybody's at their best, you're not making a top 10 player in the world list without Mo Salah. You're probably not making a top five list without Mo Salah. When everybody currently playing is at their best, he's likely in that top five. There's no way around it anymore. And, you know, that group of six that I mentioned, he and Virgil have always sort of stood above the rest. Virgil as the best defender in the world, Mo as the best wide forward in the world. There was an argument over Trent right back. You know, we still see the nonsense with England, and there's plenty of fans who like to downplay how good he is. Nobody really downplays how good Salah is anymore, other than Chelsea fans. And the only reason they do it is because they're still devastated that their club let him go. It's the same reason you see them slagging off Kevin De Bruyne. And you saw them slagging off Romelu Lukaku for years until they bought him back. Chelsea fans are simply devastated that their club let Salah go. They don't believe for one second that Eden Hazard has a better Premier League resume than Mo Salah. Nobody can believe that because it's just not true. Hazard had some wonderful seasons. He had seasons where he matched Salah's level. But he had awful seasons and Mo has not. Mo's had four great seasons. So there is an element that other fans have downplayed Salah. Some Liverpool fans have downplayed Salah. But most of them have done this in response to the media downplaying Salah. He's one of the most overlooked players that we've seen. We talk about Premier League legends all the time, and his name is right in that mix now as one of the greatest forwards to ever play in the Premier League. And we assume the contract will get done, and when it gets done, and he does another three or four or five years of what he's been doing over the last couple of years, the last four years, well, then there will be no doubt because he'll have seven, eight or nine years of absolute brilliance. And he's 29 now. So the narrative that 
FSG don't want to give a long-term contract to a 29-year-old is, is nonsense. They gave a four-year contract to a 31-year-old who's always injured and isn't nearly as good as Salah. So that's a nonsense. The money side of things, yeah, you can make the argument Liverpool don't want to break their wage structure. I don't think any player in the group would have a, an argument or a problem with Salah earning the most money at the club and by quite a distance because even though you can say Virgil and him are on the same level, not maybe at the moment with Virgil coming back from the injury, but certainly pre-injury, defenders just aren't worth as much as strikers. That's just a fact. No defender will ever go for what Neymar went for, for example. No defender on the, the market right now would be as valuable as, say, an Mbappe or a Haaland with the same contracts and no buyout clause. You can take the best defender in the world in, among the young defenders, which is probably Matthias De Ligt, put him on the market now with three years left in his deal. If Mbappe had three years left in his deal, who would go for more? It would clearly be Mbappe, and it would be probably by double, if not triple, the amount. Same thing goes for Haaland. If he didn't have the buyout clause, what would he go for? Probably $200 million? De Ligt might go for 80 million, 85 million. I think he went for 75 a couple of years ago, so maybe 85 now. Defenders just aren't worth as much. They don't earn as much. So I don't think Virgil would have an issue either. I think Virgil would understand, yes, with me and the team, we can draw every game nil-nil, but with him and the team, we can win every game one-nil. And that's the difference between being a, a mediocre team and a team that wins the title by a comfortable margin. So... I, I don't see any problem with the wage structure. I don't think it would mean other players going knocking on the door, asking for more money. Um, the one question mark could be maybe Sadio. Maybe Sadio views himself on the same level as Mo. If he does, absolutely fair enough. I, I wouldn't put him there. I think the 1920 season, he was the same level. Uh, but otherwise, I think Mo has outperformed him across the other three years they've been together and this season so far. So, I don't know that Sadio would go in and say, well, Mo got 400,000 a week. I want the same if the club were offering 300. I don't think there'll be any problems getting the Salah contract done. I think his agent is a bit of a pain in the backside, but he's looking out for his player. He's looking out for his client, his friend. And that's an agent's job. That's why he's a good agent. He might be a pain in the backside to us, to the club, but he's a very good agent. It's why he's been successful. It's the same reason Mina Riola is a great agent. George Mendes is a great agent. Yes, we may not like them. The clubs may not like them, but the players love them. And that's all that really matters for them. They're not there to make us feel good or make the club feel good. They're there to get the best deal for the players. Uh, to jump around the main Liverpool sites, uh, Mo Salah has been, according to LiverpoolFC.com, Mo Salah has been shortlisted for the PFA Fans Player of the Month for September, alongside Cristiano Ronaldo, which is a laughable inclusion. Antonio Rudiger, who's had a decent month. Ishmael Assar has been good for Watford. Ivan Tony has been outstanding for Brentford. And Mikel Antonio of West Ham. Antonio and Tony, both excellent, but not on the level of Salah this past month. So you would hope that Salah wins that award going away. Common sense should prevail. On Liverpool.com, um, there's a piece, 
dismissing Adrian Durham's nonsense, calling it delusional over Salah, and it is absolutely correct. There are a couple of pieces about the young Polish midfielder Kasper Kozlowski, who has been linked to us by a couple of different outlets. Um, one piece says he's a Jude Bellingham alternative. The other piece says he's a, the next Kevin De Bruyne. I, I don't like those type of comparisons. He may have hints of De Bruyne. He's certainly nothing like um, Bellingham from the, the bits of YouTube that I've watched, but who knows. Uh, Liverpool have a new Fab Four that will be vital to Premier League success. Talking about the, that defensive diamond of Allison, Joel Matip, Virgil and Fabinho. Matip is the one who, you know, we have other options should he get injured. Obviously, the other three are, are, are really important to us. Um, and they're they're part of the, the, the core six that are responsible for us winning trophies. Um, Liverpool will achieve nothing in Mohamed Salah waiting game, wage structure, argument, and myth. I agree with that. There is a piece comparing Curtis Jones to Phil Foden, which is a little bit of a a little bit of a worrying trend when I see young players compared to other young players. It's always been a little odd. Um, interesting piece here, linking about a piece. It's a piece about a piece that linked Liverpool to Arthur Cabral, who's a young Brazilian forward currently playing for Basel. Um, decent player. Haven't seen much of him, but decent player. Liverpool can get a Jordan Henderson boost during the internationals and Jurgen Klopp will benefit. The only boost Liverpool can get from Jordan Henderson regarding international football is him putting club before country and retiring from international football. That's what Jordan Henderson can do for Liverpool, is he can retire from international football. I've heard the arguments made for his poor form that he didn't have a pre-season, and he shouldn't have gone to the Euros carrying an injury, should he? Um, this is Anfield. I have a piece about why Alisson and Fabinho are likely to miss the games against Watford and Atletico Madrid, and potentially Manchester United as well. That's one to keep an eye on. Uh, there is a video of it's every second of Mo Salah, every involvement he had in the game, and a piece about Jurgen Klopp giving some tactical insight after that game. On AnfieldIndex.com, the headline article is still uh, the Daniel Arger piece from Stephen Smith, which is excellent. Another great Dane. Really, really well worth your while giving that one a read. Uh, Mr. Drinkle, what do we have coming today podcast-wise? We have Ray Don't Hate, I believe. Um, and I'm not sure what day it'll come out, but we have a new show from Mark Roberts called What If. Yes, so What If with Harry Welchie. That's one to look forward to. I'll be jumping on that in the next week or two uh, to take a look at the... Um, just tonight, I, I thought something that struck me a couple of a couple of years ago and I've been playing over my mind ever since. But yeah, what if what Harry Welch is going to be well worth your while. Uh, plans are being made for the Anfield Index podcast, the main one, the old one, the original one. The 300 episode will be out this week. Uh, we're recording later this week, but I can't tell you too much. And as Guy said, Rate Don't Hate, which is Hannah Pinnock, Tadiwa and Guy. So that one's well worth your while. There is obviously the latest Raw, if you haven't heard it. There's the Curtis Jones um, Love Fest that was the re most recent Under Pressure. 
And there is the Nina Kauser show from the weekend. If you haven't heard that one, do check it out. And that's me for today. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.